Hey, I'm Sean. And I'm Jesse. And, and we're, we're the, the DMs, DMs of Vancouver. Vancouver. We're two newish DMs who are still getting the hang of the whole DM thing. So we sit down with a friend every couple of weeks and pick their brain on their approach to DMing. So come along as we figure out how to help our players have the best time possible at the gaming table. Hey folks, welcome to another episode. Today we're going to be talking about session prep. Today we're talking to Jared Visco. Uh, how's it going, Jared? Oh, so far so good. Excellent. Um, tell us a bit about yourself, how long you've been playing, and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Uh, I've been playing since a little after high school. I kind of DM'd a couple like little one-shots with some friends, ran a few campaigns throughout university, going back six, seven, too many years. Uh, yeah, I prefer not to think about it. Moved out here in 2014, and shortly thereafter, I met up with some friends from another gaming group. They wanted to start a podcast, and we've actually been running Zero D Twenty since then. I guess it's been about two years and change now. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, give or take. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> so, I, I've heard bits and pieces. I know of Zero D Twenty. Yeah. What is it? Well, so what happened was it was Kelty and Jalen and I were playing for another friend of ours, and he ran like a really long running campaign, and it got Kelty and Jalen into listening to D and D podcasts, and they found that the voice was overwhelmingly male there was you know the odd token female some groups would have two female players there was very little space specifically for female voice at the table uh, and then they got angry about that which was hilarious and said they wanted to start their own thing i happened to have a game that i was boiling you know for a little bit on the back burner said i mean i'm probably not the guy to run you know a pure female voice podcast but if you guys want a game we can assemble a group of like all female players really center line your guys voices and I'll just run the world. And that's kind of where Zero D20 came from. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, good on them for, for sticking with me and putting up with my shit that long. <laughs> my stuff that long. Are we, are we kid friendly? No, we, we are marked as explicit on all the things. Wonderful. <laughs> so let's dive into it. What are the things that you feel are just key to have prepared before you go into a session? Uh, for me, it's it's a solid idea of the world and the direction. It's the big picture stuff that really, I think, uh, I need to have, at least for me, in my head to direct where the adventure is going. By the nature of our podcast, I'm not driving the story for these people. The idea is the girls tell the story themselves. So I'm providing a platform and some challenges, but I'm not telling them where to go and I'm not really force-feeding them anything. Um, so I've got an idea of the grand scheme of the adventure, and as long as I can keep that in mind, figure out where the next phase is, and keep that sort of continuity in mind, that's what I feel is the most important to go into a session with. All right, and what are some quick tips for prepping a session? <laughs> quick tips? <laughs> uh, decide whether you're doing a combat-heavy uh, combat encounter or an RP-heavy. Ideally, you want a bit of both, but if you're doing RP, know who the people are, know who, they, you know, who they're going to interact with, have some agendas in mind, some stuff to play with. And combat, you obviously want to have a few monsters in your back pocket and something with some some twists, something to challenge them. Even if you're just picking one character and thinking this is going to be their this is going to be their nightmare, you know, have a little fun with that. That's that's something that I've definitely tried to do whenever I need to like all of a sudden, oh, I need to put together a fight right now. Even if it's not the the monsters or the NPCs that they're fighting, try to have something where okay, you're fighting in a city and you've like a horse got spooked and they're running away and this character is very much about protecting people so they're gonna have to veer away from combat to deal with that and having something in a fight even if it's even if it's not like a big set piece battle just something in there so that at least one person was like that was cool 
And to push their buttons, I think, is the other thing. Like, if you have a character who you know wants to fight and all they want to do is fight, but you've got a way to, like, make them choose whether they want to dive into the fight or if there's a higher priority in that case. I love just watching them squirm when they're like, I know what I want to do, but I want to crack skulls, but... So, yeah, knowing your players and having having ways to poke them is fun. <laughs> well, that makes the fight more interesting, right? Nobody, at the end of the day, remembers the time you fought four bandits and it was just a straight-up fight and there was nothing interesting about it. I rolled 16 damage. Ooh. Memorable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, those fights are important sometimes in a session, but, I mean, especially if you're doing a podcast and you're trying to also be interesting to an audience... It, yeah, it changed the dynamic a lot more than I figured. I thought we'd just be like recording a game and playing it, but playing to an audience does mean that you, you're you not focusing on crunch and you're not focusing on numbers in the same way, which is nice for session prep because it means I don't have to do a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's one of those things that I think I've, we've talked we talked about other systems on a, on a previous episode, but for D&D, I feel is one of the games where as a beginner, you kind of have to prep. Because D&D has so many mechanics and systems in play that like, you know, what's the challenge rating of these monsters and what's the appropriate group of monsters or enemies or whatever to throw at your party because they're this level or like you have to keep in mind a whole bunch of stuff versus another system where a bad guy is literally just a name and maybe one or two stats yeah. where you don't have to worry about it. You can just be like, yeah, he's, it's a dude and he's coming at you with a knife. Like, well, okay. Knife does this much damage. He's moving this fast. That's kind of the important things about NPC or, yeah, random fight A. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to D&D where, like, you have to know, like, okay, well, they've got a weapon that does this much D6 or, like, this many dice of damage and this is their attack bonus and, like, all these other things that you kind of... It's harder to, like, homebrew content on the fly or even just pull stuff out of the monster manual sometimes because there are a lot more balls to keep in the air with regards to, like, making sure that it's appropriate for your party. Yeah, like, throw a banshee at your players and then look at the power list and realize, oh, they have a safer die fun function. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some things... We've already kind of talked about needing to prep things. What are some things that it doesn't matter if you prep them or not like if you prep them it's yeah sure whatever but you kind of don't really need to at all i'm not finding this as much with their 0d20 game but the the campaign i ran before i moved out here one thing i would never prep was maps for encounters and if i had a couple of like set pieces in mind that was great but when it came to the maps i'd actually have two like tile boards and i would let the players i'm like so you're in a forest setting you're in a cave setting and i'd give two or three of them markers and just let them go because I'll adapt to whatever it's there. And if they find some ways to, you know, try and break the game with the, the terrain, clever clever combat encounter will be able to use that too. So never, never prepped maps. <laughs> I like that idea. I would have trouble doing it. Because <laughs> yeah. there are there are some some stuff that I've done that I was I've been really proud of, like some some of the maps that I've done with cool terrain stuff or having locations that help tell part of the story but i really like the idea of getting your players to map stuff not in the like old school terms of here's some graph paper i'm going to tell you what the map is and you have to keep track of it yourself but in the terms of just like no you figure out if there's a rock there or not i like that because i found that with especially with map based combat it can sometimes be hard to engage the imagination as to like is there a chandelier there i don't yet maybe <laughs> whereas if the players do it then yeah there's a chandelier there because they want one there yeah and it's uh it, it, i think it adds to the collaborative world building of it and yeah i find it gets rid of a lot of the here's how i envision this here's how you envision this you're telling me what you see in your mind's eye and we'll just we'll just make that work i think it would be really useful too because 
uh, one of the problems I've found in being a player and being the DM is that often, unless you're really, 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 really good at describing an area, you will inevitably get the question where someone looks at the map and goes, what's that thing? That's a chair. Oh, I thought it was a trapdoor. <laughs> or, or something like that, because, you know, when you're drawing a map, it's it's kind of a good time for the, the group to socialize and, and stuff, and they sometimes miss details. Those are the prime moments for Lost Focus. Yeah. yeah. It, it's why when I do tend to do bigger set-piece stuff that I'll pre-draw it, so that I can, because uh, I actually got this big thing of graph paper where each square is an, an inch big um, that Jesse wasn't using when he gave to me. And so for like the big set piece stuff, it's like, okay, people move your books, bam, here. And then yeah. like, and you guys are here and go. Oh, how beautiful a reveal moment are those too, where you're just like, here's my giant ass map. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, those moments are the one reason that I, I, I am so tempted to get Dwarven Forge stuff or 3D print some stuff because being able to just like, plop down like here's two city blocks with like streets and cobblestones and all this stuff but i have nowhere to store that shit so tricky so tricky i'm incredibly tempted the next time i'm running when i get to a big like boss battle or something to actually like find a map that someone else has made that they put out for free or for cheap and then take the file to staples and like print out a poster of it and just slam it down because you know full detail and all that stuff and you can always write on it with a sharpie because we got a plastic cover and you're good. <laughs> I'm just thinking, uh, there's been a couple times where we've used our Twitter account to post out some of the maps that I've drawn for the group on the fly. Yeah. It's it's some pretty prime stuff, I gotta say. <laughs> if you get the chance to check it out, like stick figures like you've not seen, <laughs> little scribbles and scrawls, it's it's impressive. Is there besides maps, are there any is there anything else that you think that time spent prepping it is like meh, like not really worth it? I've played in a couple games and I try not to run them where there's like a roadmap for the session. And I, I don't like to operate that way because it, it, to me, puts a campaign on rails. And I think the whole point of a collaborative storytelling game like D&D or any, any tabletop RPG is that it's not my story they're playing through. It's a story we're creating. I feel like if you go in with, they're going to go to this place, talk to this person, then do this thing, and you really put that roadmap for the session in place, it locks the players in and it, it keeps them from, from thinking, from free interacting with the world. And, I mean, it... It, like I said, it takes the collaborative out of it and has it a, you're playing my game. I think the counterpoint I'd make to that is just, there are times where I've prepped something because like at the end of a session, they're like, okay, next session, we're going here to do this thing. I won't prep, sit down and have a novella written on what's going to happen, but I'll just, you know, come up with just some like story beats and stuff so that I have a good idea of what's coming because they might come down and like sit down and start the next session and be like, okay, we're going the other way because we talked about this on Facebook and we need to do something else first. But having, I think, even like a few story beats and not just like a single story path, but like a couple of different things that like, if they want to go this way and do this or go this way and do this, like you have some stuff ready just in case they decide like they don't know what to do you can at least hint something yeah and i I would definitely agree with that when i say roadmap i guess that's what i mean it's like a set path it's like you guys will do this thing a this thing b because yeah the whole idea of world building is to have the options to present them with and feel like you're not doing yourself justice if you haven't thought of a few things they might do but yeah locking it all down like you know what they're gonna do pushes them into into playing your story rather than 
than making one. Yeah. I will admit, though, it has led to a couple of times a spiral of death where, like, okay, if they do this, then that means that this NPC is going to have to go and do this because the player... Like, I spend too much time thinking about it. Just, like, build the domino network and you're like, this goes here, this goes here, and just watch it all. Yeah. Which is... It's something I discovered, like, after doing a couple of these episodes, being like, oh, yeah, I shouldn't have built an entire world. I should have just built a small kingdom because... It's a problem failing, whatever you want to call it, of mine, where I will just get so into just world building that I forget to be like, I have prepped like four years worth of stuff. Yeah. This is not worth my time. Well, I I mean, it helps, I think, to have that world in your mind. There's no prep that, or no world building that I think isn't isn't contributing, because the, the more concrete your world for you, the better a picture you can paint for the players. But are they ever going to use that stuff? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think part of it for me was coming... Like, there's, I have a whole bunch of history that I've thought up and dreamt up that none of my players, none of the characters are ever going to be the type... There's maybe one that, like, if I drop enough hints, they're going to be like, I need to go research this shit. And I can just throw all my notes at them. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's one of those things... Like, one of the things we've kind of learned over these the episodes that we've done is, is knowing your table. And... That kind of world building is appropriate, I guess, when you know that you have a table that's really going to interact with it. But if you have a table that's just me, like they're just me going town to town dealing with local stuff, like you don't need to build an island on the other side of the world. Yeah, it's cool if you know it's there, but are they going to use it? Maybe not. So cool to have it there, but don't. Yeah, I I I wouldn't draw it out, map it, and I have the. But I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, this actually kind of brings us into our next question which is what do you do when the game veers wildly away from what you have prepped we've already <laughs> talked about that a bit but yeah a little bit that's kind of why i have a fly by the seat of my pants style and especially with the fracturia campaign for zero d20 i'm not there to tell the story so i don't really have that problem yeah. they're directing the action they're directing you know they've got their objectives they've got the things they want to see done so there is no wildly off course if they're the ones setting the course yeah. I'm almost there as like reactionary, um, but there are times where they will do some abrupt and unexpected things, and I feel like, I mean, at that point, you can't prep for some of the wackiness players are going to throw at you. Um, Especially if you're giving them, you know, enough rope to hang themselves. <laughs> well, I mean, I can kind of kind of elaborate on that, just uh, looking over kind of some of the some of the stuff we've had. That's one of the, the really fine lines I've had to walk with this 0D20 campaign because the original impetus of the thing and where it came from was a really feminist standpoint of promote female voices. And we have this weird power dynamic where we're trying to like make this like a... It's, it's shifted into like a more inclusive banner than like a pure feminist thing. But the original idea was women at the table, they belong, and this is their voice. And having the DM as a almost stereotypical, right, like chubby bearded white dude uh like when you yeah that walking that line between having the authority at the table to run the game but really not wanting to like not being overpowering and letting them tell their story is so so tricky sometimes i guess when you talk about them guiding the story or telling the story or figuring out where it's going can you expand on that a little bit more because the people that i've played with so far or the stuff that i've seen the players tend to be either really reactionary to what the DM puts in front of them, or when they do tell a story, it's really just their character story. It's not the story of the world and or other NPCs and stuff like that. How does that stuff work when it's the really the players driving everything? The trick I found for that is keeping them at really low level <laughs> uh, because it keeps their challenges and the tasks they're overcoming 
really focused on sort of a regional at the most. So they don't, they're not dealing with the problems of a kingdom or a realm yet. Um, so we've advanced really slowly and it keeps them, when there's something their character wants to do, the infighting in the group is part of the drama, whether like how they want to get those objectives done and balance that off with themselves, which I think are some of the best moments as far as listening and as far as the podcast goes. But they each have their own objectives that they're chasing and, and doing their best to, to negotiate with that with the group. So I can step back and just say, here's what the world is doing and take on that reactionary role more than the players do, ideally. But of course, they do need nudging and they need challenges. So I find when I do have to prep something, I've got five or six different big cogs turning in the world. And I like to keep track of those in my own head. And that's the stuff that I like to prep in the session. And if I can find one or two points that they can interact on the scale of the adventures they're having with those big cogs, then once they start getting to the higher levels and dealing with these, they're going to be like, oh, this fits in here, this fits in here. But just enough to kind of direct them to where the fun is more than make the story happen. Right. So like they might find out that some of the bandits were deserters from an army. And later on, they find out that there's like actually been a big war going on and people are deserting. And that's where these bandits, stuff like that. And giving them little bits and pieces that like they've got to deal with this local problem but that local problem is tied in so many ways to the bigger world symptomatic of yeah what else is happening in the world there's like hidden artifacts and stuff they'll come across they don't you know fully get the significance of but they come across these things and they'll forget about them until much later when you bring it in and then they're like you watch i love watching those pieces click where they're like oh it's my favorite (laughs) i think one of my favorite moments that i've had so far was when a whole bunch of stuff clicked in their mind but they had come to the wrong conclusion. <laughs> oh, they had the O oh moment, but it wasn't the right one? Awesome. <laughs> what what happened with that? Uh, well, they're still in the middle of figuring all oh, this so stuff out. Yeah. So I can't, I can't give anything away, but I, I have told, like, I kind of have hinted that, like, it isn't quite what you think it is. But yeah, those kind of moments where you're able to, like, just lay down a bunch of threads and then they're able to take the 50, 100 foot view and be like, oh, that, that's all connected. Uh, it's a little, well, it's kind of in line with this, but there's, um, the, the campaign I was talking about that I ran before this, I never got to the end of, and I never got to do that reveal moment, but they had, uh, a bard character who was like, they didn't know it, but was like epic level bard. This was in 3.5 and the guy would just kind of swoop in and save them every so often and get them into like, you know, they'd, you know, have near party wipes, but he'd be kind of the guy who would come in and, and bail them out. Um, but he, by the end of it was the actual campaign villain. Uh, and he's just like, he was a frustrated bard in an age with no heroes. So he was fully manipulating and like all of the shit they were dealing with was just going to be him setting them up so that he had a great story he could tell. And they loved this character, but I was like, you know, by the time they get, they're ready to take him on, they're going to, yeah. But we never got to that O moment. It was so, so upsetting. (laughs) Yeah. I think this isn't quite related to, well, actually it is kind of related to prepping stuff because, because those are the moments that people remember, whether you're playing running or listening slash watching like if you're running a podcast campaign or doing something on youtube prepping for not one big giant oh moment but having like lots of them strung throughout the campaign so that it's not just one payoff it's like it's a whole bunch of smaller ones so that if constant drive to be like well we know this now okay like what do we find out next instead of plodding along for a year and then being like Oh, okay, everything was tied together. Cool. Yeah, just pull back the curtain and be like, there it is. Ah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, I'm excited. I actually have some small reveals in store for the uh, for the party coming up that I'm running. So looking forward to that. But Same. Okay. I'm looking forward to hearing it. <laughs> yeah. So how 
how do you run a game on little to slash no prep? Oh, my favorite for that is uh, because I've got like an amazing group of players. Uh, so I just kind of let them, if I can find something I know they're going to disagree about or even have them try and recap like some of what like what the last step has happened, watching them try and sort out the important details, the non-important details, both as players and characters, it's, it's half the fun of that because they commit really hard. They're not concerned about the numbers or crunch. So when they RP, they RP heavy. Yeah, if you can let them do the heavy lifting for you, nudge them in the right direction. Like your players are there to have fun and if you give them the opportunity doesn't have to be work so yeah you let them let them play with the world uh, and that's the best way to run with little to no prep i think as part of that like when it comes to npcs and stuff like that where they they decide they're like okay we're gonna spend some time in here and like if they decide they, they're gonna spend you know a, a, an evening in the bar or they're gonna go out on the town or whatever and you can tell that things are slowing down, but they're, they're, their characters are still in party mode, but the players are just like, we don't know what to do. Like, Do you have any tips for like having NPCs or stuff that you can throw at the party? Just be like, let's keep this energy going. Here's something for you guys to play with. Well, what it's bringing to mind was uh, there was an episode that I just, like, as a weird one-off, threw in a little old lady character who's like necromantically keeping her husband alive. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. And, like, they hooked onto that so hard. And I was like, this was supposed to be a goofy joke. And they spent an entire session, like, two hours of recording cut down to probably an hour-long episode. Just, like, trying to figure out what this was. And, like, I think they, like, were trying to, like, fetch ingredients for her. And, like, they were they were so convinced that this was tied into, like, the plot. And it was just... This weird old lady whose husband just wanted to die and couldn't. It bled into the next episode too, if I recall. Yeah, it went on like so long. I was like, you guys, like I love how much you love this. And I think that was that was kind of part of it is it was supposed to be nothing. But they loved it and they ran with it. So I felt it was my responsibility to keep that going. And if they're not interested in an area, if you can't find a plot hook to layer in to kind of direct them where you want to be, fast forward the scene, right? Like if there's nothing happening there, they want to go out for a night of drinking. If they're not generating anything and you don't feel that like it's an important place to be, let them wind down the night, tell some bar stories, see if you can prompt them into into filling in why they're at the bar. And if they can't make some fun of it, they're not having the right time at the bar. Move on. Right. Um, I, I think a tip worth mentioning to DMs, if you notice that, you can just ask your players if they want to do that. If one of them's like, no, I have a thing I want to do, and you're like, great, let's move to that. Yeah, we don't have to spend all night hanging out in a tavern, playing dice, and uh, button heads with the locals. If you have something you'd rather be doing, tell the party, tell the DM, we'll go there. Yeah, I like the idea of getting the players to tell bar stories like in character, because I know that some of the players at my table would have a blast with that. Especially for like if you're doing a recorded scenario, but even like if you're not, it's just fun and it gets them grounded in the world. One of the things I have prepped in the past and uh, Isla and I have been working on for a while is if you listen to the, the podcast, she's got like a mentor character who's this legendary gnome figure. Uh, she's just like this tiny gnome barbarian who has like done everything, conquered the whole world kind of thing. And she's, <laughs> she's just, the best. She's just hanging out. And we've got like four pages of just like, I once heard that she did this. And like, I once heard she punched a mountain so hard. She just walked right through the middle. And like, just we every so often drop in and add more insane, like Chuck Norris facts about this tiny, no, like old lady gnome barbarian. If you want prep stuff, that's, that's the kind of stuff that you can put in that, that sticks. So... <laughs> 
it seems like you're fairly well versed at this. What are some stuff to be aware of as a DM? If I was going to go and either knowingly or at last I can be like, I have nothing prepped. Like, what are some things to be aware of? Well, the, the dangers of going in with no prep are you can sometimes lose some of those really potent, memorable moments. Because you're just kind of discovering them as you go along. Sometimes those discoveries are great, but you can't direct them in the same way. So sometimes you lose control of the reveals. You lose control of the story elements that, that keep it driving forward. And I find in our podcast, uh, it uh, is something I'm guilty of, is going in with less prep and having a lot of filler sessions where they're not really achieving much. We're having fun storytelling, goofing around, but they're not solving any of their problems and they're not engaging with the story itself. And it's way easier to fall into that if you haven't done at least prep for ways the the, the big picture can nudge them. Yeah, what the next big story beat or something should be. Yeah, and how they're working towards it, even if it's just a couple of little hints. If you, if you go in blind, you miss those opportunities to pepper in those touchstone moments where they just can like kiss something that's happening in the world and then just move on and realize the significance later. I think that's probably an area where you can take lessons from TV shows where, you know, they might have a bottle episode or an episode that has nothing to do with the season arc or whatever. But even if the episode is, it's 22 minutes long, 20 minutes of that might be faffing about dealing with you know, character got their head stuck in a turkey or whatever. The last two minutes are going to have something to do with that arc. Even if it's just a, like, you know, the villain standing on top of the house looking down and being like, what the fuck are they doing? Yeah, just something that engages the bigger picture. Yeah, and I, yeah, that's that's a huge danger with a little prep. The upside being you're so much more flexible if you don't know, if you don't even think you know what the party's going to do, whatever they do doesn't surprise you. So you're you're able to adapt if they're like, well, we thought we were going to go talk to this person, but we cut their throat, dump them in an alley, and burn the town down. You're like, well, I didn't plan for otherwise, so that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't wreck anything. I don't have 30 NPCs lined out that I'm just like, well, now they're ashes. It's, it's one of those moments that I would love to see happen on Critical Role, or even a podcast where players do something crazy and you just hear like, thump. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sure. Out the door. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like that's that's the, the thing I love most is I never have to worry about those. But I've played for people who have serious prep and you watch that moment where you know you've gone off the rails. And you just see they're just the downcast look in their eye where they're like, all of that work and we're using none of it. I found from like reading online and watching various videos and stuff and listening to some podcasts that it feels like DMs tend to fall into a couple of mindsets and either they're the kind of people who do like almost no prep or no prep or if they prep they tend to be the type that falls into the hole of doing too much everything yeah prepping everything like you know figuring out cool lines that a character will say and figuring out how conversations will go or how a combat like prepping too much but i think the thing for dms like that and i'm saying that as one of those dms the thing to remember is that if, if you don't use everything that you've come up with that's material you don't have to come up with later oh yeah like if, if your players in the middle of a session go left instead of right you've got a bunch of stuff that you can just like pull out of your bag and be like cool yeah let's keep going instead of having to be like give me five, ten, give me a half an hour <laughs> yeah you guys take a break i'm gonna figure out what happens from here yeah that's actually one of the one of the things that I found is most useful as a non-prepper uh, is I've run games in the past, one-offs for friends, that kind of thing, and it's super useful every time to hold on to old character sheets 
So that if they come across an encounter, you've at least got a skeleton or a template of something like I've run a few encounters, just like with a whole bunch of like little gnomes that they were fighting. And I just had an old character sheet that I kind of templated and put down a few key points, modified it for, you know, two, three of these little, these gnomes are doing something different. And I didn't have to worry about numbers or prep. I could adjust the combat difficulty if they were mowing them down, put two or three more of these in and just kind of like clone stamp them. But if you've got old character sheets at the ready, they're your best resource for quick, interesting, like developed encounters because someone else has taken the time to really build a full character. Yeah. One of the things that I have tried to do with prep is prep stuff that makes it easy for me to come up with encounters and stuff on the fly. Like I've got a couple of tables of first and last names for different races and I need to come up. One of the things that just occurred to me is to add to that is to come up with just a list of different kinds of objectives instead of just saying, yep, they're a dwarf. Be like, no, they're cantankerous or they're jolly or like characteristics of their personality or how they look so that if players decide that they're going to go in like, oh, we need to stop really quickly. I need to go in, you know, pick up some arrows or whatever. You, it's not just the shopkeep. Like you can, if it's a town that they're coming back to all the time, you can like maybe start to slowly build up a repertoire of characters. Yeah, repeatable NPCs. And, and yeah, if you make them memorable, they will go back to that shop every time. Saves you from having to invent like six more shops or just leave them nondescript and not, yeah. no fun. I like one of the things I was thinking of the other day, though, was the idea of like a traveling salesman that they just always run into. Ooh, and like the Resident Evil 4 merchant where he just shows up, he's like, What do you buy? And you're like, ah, and, Why are you why are you always where we are? And the, 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 I think the thing I love about that is just players will either go one of two ways, be like, Oh, yeah, it's John again, or they'll be like, It's John again. How did how did he get here so quickly? And what the players don't know is that this is actually just like. A set of quintuplets. Identical quintuplets or something. Oh, but I love the idea that they're like identical quintuplets uh, who are separated and have no idea that the rest exist. <laughs> they're like, you again. He's like, what do you mean me again? We've just met like every single time. Oh, or do the, the Nurse Choi yeah, and Officer, Officer Jenny. <laughs> There's 16 of us. We're identical and we've never met. There's 16 of us on every continent. <laughs> Widespread clan. <laughs> but I think that's the thing for prepper DMs is to realize that you don't have to prep specifically for what's going on. You can prep things that'll help you do things on the fly. Oh, absolutely. Uh, when I'm talking about all this no prep stuff, that's my style because I'm lazy. Uh, I feel like preppers have just a bigger toolkit that they can adapt with at any given time. I'm not advocating no prep. It's just how I like to live my life because I'm a slacker. <laughs> yeah, I find I, it's, it's funny though because I find that in D&D specifically, I prep. But in other systems that I've run, like I run, I ran a game of Eclipse Phase and my prep was the five minutes before we started playing. I'd be like, on an index card, be like, this is the map for the sewer they're in. Cool. But that's partially because of the way the system worked. It was so much easier to just easily come up with NPCs and enemies and robots and all sorts of shit just on the fly. Whereas with D&D, you have to put more thought into it. So I end up doing a lot more prep. Yeah, you don't want to squish the party accidentally and you don't want them to bowl through your encounter and just... And especially if you're building, like, an actual dungeon, which, not always, not often sometimes even, but, like, you have to have more in mind as to what's in that. I mean, you can kind of boil it down to an idea of a dungeon and just run that, but it's helpful to know what that looks like and why it, like, looks like that. Are there any handy online resources you can use? I mean, character generators are always the easiest just for NPC stuff. I don't I don't use too much else in the way of online resources. Although we did once use an online insult generator. 
for uh, actually in that Plasantia campaign, the uh, the angry dwarf unicorn uh, was just cussing all the time. And they had an insult generator on hand, so he always had a colorful uh, expletive for someone or something. I was so confused for a second when you said the angry dwarf unicorn. For a second, what I was picturing was a dwarf centaur with a horn. (laughs) I mean, I like that. In this case, it was like instead of a unicorn, it was a pony, and he was not happy about it. (laughs) Just like a pony-sized unicorn who was angry at everything. (laughs) (laughs) And then it it took me a while to realize that that's what you meant. Not super clear, but there's all... That may show up at some point in the campaign now. An angry dwarf centaur unicorn. So just like a... <laughs> it's one of the things I find hilarious about audio specifically, like podcasts where actual play stuff, where they'll describe something and you'll be like, oh, that's weird. And then you'll see like fan art and you'll be like, that is not at all what I pictured. Yeah, drastically different. But I think that's kind of the beauty of it. It's like a radio play, right? Is yeah. Your imagination fills in the rest, and again, I find that's one of the areas where uh, I like to keep it lazy, because uh, the less I describe, as long as the players have enough to interact with, and I don't nail it down too hard, uh, the theater of the imagination for the listener takes over, and it looks how they want it to look, and that's that's as right as anything I've come up with. Yeah. Because this is for them. Yeah, there's definitely like a difference between, like, you are fighting a creature, <laughs> and, and like you're fighting a centaur, but like when you get down to, like... His chiseled pecs, like <laughs> we often do, get down to like his chiseled pecs. Uh, no, actually, our thing is tiny halfling thighs, but we don't describe them either. It's, it's the whole thing. <laughs> Sorry the the bit where they at one point have to describe Damara, I think, to someone else. <laughs> that was a brand new player. She was like four sessions in, yeah. uh, and I was like, I was just giving her a rival from school that I knew she just like was gonna hate. Yeah. I was like, tell me what she looks like, and she fired into this like scathing description. <laughs> uh, it was incredible because like came out of nowhere. She was just like a shy, quiet kind of player, and then she's just like she was like this and this. We were like. Whoa! Whoa! That is now like gospel truth. That is exactly how that character looks and operates. There's been a few times in in the campaign that I'm running with. I've got a couple of players that tend to be a little bit quieter, but every once in a while, like you'll say something or something will happen, and you'll just be like, "Oh damn, you got hidden depths." Where did that come from? And I love it. Yeah. Let us let us use this. Getting back to the prepping stuff. Sorry, sorry, we keep getting off topic. I'm, it's almost like I feel uh, I'm bad at sticking to a plan. I do not feel like we're, we're actually kind of broadly sticking to the topic. What's well. like what I'm saying right off the start is it's keep all the, a matter of perspective. Yeah, the broad strokes in play, and the little stuff is less important. So we've kind of done a, like a lot of the advantages and stuff like that. Are there any? Have there been any times that there's been something that stuck out as like, oh, this is a reason, like, this is something I should have prepped, or like, stuff that you've run into a couple of times that, like, kind of highlight the disadvantage of not prepping? The disadvantage of not prepping. Wait, the dis- the downside of not prepping anything. Right. Um, I can't give away too much on that, um, because there was an instance actually really recently where... I kind of had a loose idea of what I wanted to happen. The session got really carried away with like an extensive combat encounter. Uh, and we had a really big moment that we had to rush at the end. I thought I would have more time to explore it, but because of how long the combat ran and how ill-defined it was in my head, it ended up being kind of a hasty slipshod moment that should have been really big. So it hasn't been released yet, so I don't want to go into, into too much detail about it. But I feel like if I had a do-over, I would make sure we dealt that one a little more justice 
just because it having a concrete plan for a big moment like that helps you helps you do a better job for the emotional storytelling for the listeners and the players. It sounds like it's it like pacing is what might suffer if you if you don't if you don't prep because like yeah. not knowing that like okay we've got to get to this point which means that I've got to shorten this bit it, versus like if you're just improving all the time then you know something might start to get a little bit long but you don't realize that like we've gone over time on this bit. Yeah. Well, I, I think it there's sort of two levels in which it can go wrong for you. It's like the immediate that that I was just talking about where this we didn't get to this, we didn't give this enough time because I didn't have a, a plan in mind for for that. But on the bigger scale as well, you can get lost the same way where if you lose sight of where the campaign is going and where those benchmark moments are, it's really easy to get distracted without a plan as to how to get there. And, you know, the players are good about finding story, but unless you unless you do nudge them, they can find all sorts of ways to get nothing done, which I'm fine with because it makes my job easy, but it doesn't do... It, it doesn't make for a campaign that goes anywhere. You may as well, like, a, do a iterative sitcom with fantasy characters at that point. Uh, episode reset, where we, you know... All over again. Yeah, like, you know, the idea of rewatch the, the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit movies. Just The idea of just like, yeah, we're just going to sit at home and smoke our pipes and sit on the hill. Yeah, that was like 40 years in the books. They just like chilled out. I'm like, I feel like if I let my players do that, I don't want to have to tell like 40 years of, well, you guys are waiting for something to happen. <laughs> yeah. What happens today? You guys just wander around? Okay, that's it. Good session. <laughs> See you guys next time. Yeah. <laughs> Big last question. Oh, the one that's not on here? We, yeah, that we always forget to put on the list. Ooh. Oh, I intentionally don't put it on the list. Oh, cool. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Peek so, behind the curtains, folks. Curveball. Uh, uh, Jarrett, yes. what is one thing that you know now about running with little to no prep that you wish you knew back when you started running D&D? One thing that I wish I knew when I had started... I mean, I'm just of the opinion I've always known everything, so that's, like, <laughs> that's really... No, um, uh, that is a tricky one. I think the big, the big takeaway is not... Yeah, if I, if I could go back and redo some of the stuff I've done, if I could pass on some knowledge, I would say, remember what you need to prep. Don't sweat some of the smaller stuff, but continual no-prep sessions don't serve you well in engaging storytelling you need to have i mean even if it's minimal prep big picture stuff the more consecutive sessions you wing it the more players will get off track and the less they may continue to have fun but the less progress they're ever going to make in the story even if all you prep for the entire campaign is just like a story outline yeah and you kind of aren't knowing like okay we've got to hit this beat next preferably this session However you get there, whatever the route is, by the end of it, this person will have parted some information to you, or you will have crossed paths with this person. They could be a friend, they could be a foe, depends how you do it, but here are the people you need to meet long-term to open the next chapter. That all makes sense. I And I the, the some of the stuff that we talked about earlier on is something I'm going to try to do. I can't, I'm not going to make any promises to my players that we're, I'm not going to be prepping anything. Yeah, definitely a lot of good information. Cool. Jared, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, where where can people find you in Zero D Twenty Online? Uh, we are all over the place. We have a litany of uh, litany of things that Jalen has written down in her notebook that we go off at the end. But I know we're at zero d twenty dot com. We've got a Facebook page that's zero d twenty. Our Twitter is zero d twenty underscore because yeah. there's someone in Korea that just won't let go of our zero d twenty without Curses. the underscore <laughs> handle. And it's never used for anything, and we're just anyway. That's a whole different conversation. And uh, we also have all our stuff on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, 
basically anywhere you can find a podcast, uh, yeah. we tend to show up there. Yeah. You guys have a red bubble now too, don't you? Oh yeah. They just put up a store the other day. See, I don't know anything about this. I just, <laughs> I run the game and they, they do all the organizational stuff because uh, they're way better at it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we've got some merch available on our store now. There's some t-shirts and some stuff. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, I like stuff. Stuff is great and Jalen's put a lot of time into making it. So it's very cool if you get the chance to check that out. Get some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thanks for coming on. This was a blast. Yeah, I had a good time. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. Thanks for coming out. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Our logo and other artwork is done by the wonderful Haley Boros. Our theme music is Overworld by Kevin McLeod. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at DMs of Vancouver, all one word. We'd love to hear from you folks about topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Lastly, if you want to help us out, we've got a Patreon account where you can become a patron for as little as $1 a month. Each little bit helps, and all the money will go to making this podcast as awesome as possible. See you next time, folks. Roll for initiative!